Hey everybody, welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me as always from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensey. Tim, how you doing, man, with those minus 40 weather in Alberta? So that's been, it's been quite the adventure, I'm going to say that. So my church is heater blue. Oof. So yeah, we were supposed to do some faith formation stuff with uh, the initiation for adults that I've been volunteering with, and uh, we had to do it over Skype on the Thursday because yeah, the heater blew, and uh, that was just when it was starting to really get cold. Friday, yeah, it was negative fifty. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go and play cards with friends. So there was like eight of us who still showed up, and it was what driving there and back was wild. Like, the main highway is good, but some of the on-ramps are just, like, I took my life into my hands, Jesus take the wheel sort of territory. Like, uh, there's this one at Crowchild onto 10th Avenue for folks who live in Calgary, where it's, like, it's just, like, this, it's a tight, almost 360. I think probably about a 270, probably 270 to 300 degree turn they got you doing. Okay. And nor- it's signed for you to do 40 down the hill. Sorry, 30 down down this ramp. The ramp was entirely ice. So I just took my foot off the accelerator and just hit it down this ramp. Yeah. And then I was getting on Crowchild by McMahon, taking Banff Trail. And the on-ramp, it's it's actually just like a it's like a slip lane, right? The whole lane was ice. And like I I took it at like 15. And I started fishtailing into <laughs> one of the travel lanes. I was like, Ugh. like, yeah, the whole merge lane was ice. So, uh, yeah, that was scary. Yeah, it was even scary here on the island because it was minus 15 the other day. And I got to say, it was weird even today because it was minus eight this morning. Coming home from work about just after 3.30, you know that marsh on the side of the highway like if you're going from northbound south you turn no you turn yeah somnus you turn left on the beverly right before that turn off you have that marsh there there are people skating on it that's crazy i have never seen that in my life you've got to realize for people who are listeners of the podcast vancouver island does not get that cold in the winter time so the fact is we got minus 15 weather here is insane like on friday i didn't end up going to work because i mean you know where i live i live right up on the top of the mountain i couldn't get off yep i looked outside and i'm like i am gonna end up hitting a vehicle on the way down or there's no way i'm getting back up tonight so i called my boss i said look i'm not coming i remember as a kid i my parents place is pretty close to where today's recording from and it's just like yeah there are days it's like i could walk down to catch the bus but I might not be walking back up if I fall because yeah. like the heel is uh, I want to say like a three, three or 4% grade. Like it's pretty steep. It is man. It is pretty steep. I mean, I can only imagine for people who live in Ladysmith up on the Hills, like you'd be fucked in the winter time. Oh, did you see uh, the storm that hit the East coast though? I did. That's been wild. I did. Did you I... see uh, the Bills stadium? You know what? I'm glad you brought this up because it was something I do want to talk about is there was people in upstate New York. They were offered $20 an hour to go shovel snow out of the stadium for the Steelers-Bills game. 
I don't know if you followed that game today, but the Bills were just taking it to the Steelers. Oh, thank God. Yeah, like that's kind of what everyone was expecting. But like, would you accept twenty dollars an hour to shovel, especially if you're sh- walk? You're probably gonna have to walk up stairs while shoveling. That's backbreaking work. It is, but I was gonna say even if for powder though, that's still pretty heavy stuff. Yeah, like as cool as it would be to say, yeah, I dug out a football stadium. What you do today? I don't know. I'm not sure if 20 does it for me. It's like 26, 90 something Canadian too. But you know what's funny? I was watching, <clears throat> I think it was Barstool or somebody. They had a video of a guy who was shoveling snow. So he took his shirt off. He slid down the ramp, <sighs> down the staircase. It was just like, I guess they built a ramp to get all the snow on the field. And the guy just slid down it. That sounds so painful. I couldn't even imagine. I could not even imagine doing that. But I'll tell you what I can imagine, Tim. Let's talk about today's cover athlete. For today's episode, Season 7, Episode 13, in chronological order, Episode 163. It's the one and only Short King. It's Mr. Tyler Ennis, Tim. So, a little backstory about Tyler Ennis. He was selected 26th overall by the Buffalo Sabres in 2008. He played 13 seasons in the NHL with five teams. Buffalo, Minnesota, Toronto, Ottawa, and Edmonton. He would play parts of two seasons with the Senators, recording 22 goals, 35 assists for 57 points, and 118 games. I gotta say, man, he's the best ever to do it. Yeah, and here's the thing. If we're talking Tyler Ennis, I think a favorite Tyler Ennis moment of mine is that time he scored a hat-trick against his former team, the Sabres, in Senators' colors in his second trip around. And it's so weird, too, watching that game again because those stands were empty. Was that the time when Melnick had the tarps up? No. Or was that his first go-around? This was... Remember when there was kind of that COVID resurge and they only allowed, like, a hundred people into the stands in Ontario? Like, this was during Omicron. Like, right at the start of 2022. So this was during that. And talking about the hat trick against the Sabres kind of highlights what Tyler Ennis was always good for is the guy was able to play up and down the lineup, probably second, third, even late into his career, and still pitch in a surprisingly skilled play. I think there was a lot of high hopes for Tyler Ennis, and it's hard to say if he really fully reached what people thought he could be. But he still had a very good NHL career. He did. And just looking at his hockey DB page, I mean, he had a couple of 40-point seasons for the Buffalo Sabres, scored 20 goals three times. But I honestly wonder, because do you recall what happened to him in the 15-16 season? Did he get injured in that? Yeah, he got clobbered. Maybe that's what hampered his development, because after that, he plays 51 games the next season, 13 points, 73 games 22 points he then tops out at 33 for the senators in 2019 2020 and we traded him to edmonton that year yeah actually i do like the idea of trading high on ennis there i wasn't a big fan of trading high on trading Demello for a third there but uh, that's for another that's for another day and what's kind of crazy is that ennis got injured a lot he was injured it, when he was with the Oilers, he was in 
And Adri ended his season last year in 2022, his last with the Senators. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate, right? When you see a smaller player like that, you kind of need to learn how to fully protect yourself, bounce off of defenders. Unfortunately, when you're a smaller guy, bigger guys take runs at you, and you end up getting hurt. Yeah. Although I still think the other really funny uh, Tyler Ennis moment that I forgot about was there is a player on the Lakers who is also called Tyler Ennis, and they ended up swapping jerseys. Oh, that was one of my favorite moments. And you know what's funny? I completely forgot about that until I started writing up this rundown for Tyler Ennis. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I remember that. That's so funny. Oh, so good, man. So good. Well, Tim, I would love to sit here and talk about Tyler Ennis all evening, but unfortunately, we got announced next week's cover athlete. I guess what? We got ourselves a poll, Tim, for next week. For Season 7, Episode 14, at Chronological Order, Episode 164, two players. Oh my gosh. What? I didn't realize that the reason that the two Tyler Edises ended up meeting is because the doctors screwed up their x-rays. They'd both broken their legs. Edis was playing for the Senators at the time, but I think was still living in Toronto. And the other Edis was playing for the Raptors at the time. And they got <laughs> cut the leg x-rays swapped. <laughs> That's gotta be one of those tidbits in sports history that you know when you you know when people used to call into radio sports shows and be like, hey, what's this tidbit of the day? That's something right there. Yeah, the we got it. Well, we got to beat up. They got our X-way screwed up. Hey, want to swap jerseys? Yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, that's so good, man. That's so good. Now, for next week's cover athlete poll, two players on the board, two players from the rebuilding Ottawa Senators, and two guys that we talked about here on top, on not only top of the hour, but we also talked about on third line plug, Clark Bishop and JC Bodan. Yeah, that was a guy who just kind of, he existed. Dude, there's so many guys on those 2019, 2020, 2021 Senator teams that you're just like, who are you again? Like Max McCormick, the guy we traded for. <laughs> yeah, or Tom Pyatt, or Gabriel Dumont. Yo, or uh, Spangler Cup All-Star Chris Dominico. Oh, Dito. That guy's still killing it in Europe, which is the crazy thing. So is Tyler Ennis, too. Tyler <laughs> Ennis, I think he's playing for... I think he's playing for Adler Mannheim right now. Sick. That is sick, man. That is sick. But you know what's also sick, Tim? Alert, alert. Alert, alert. So I'm very excited to announce for next week's episode, we got ourselves a guest co-host, and it's somebody Ooh. that... Very excited to have. So I'm going to be, I'm very excited to announce that Rain Ellison from daily underscore sends underscore news will be joining us for our episode next week. And also for the 2023, 2024 Ottawa senators first half recap. Why do we have to subject him to that? We haven't done it yet, Tim. We haven't. No, done it I yet. mean, I guess we're also subjecting ourselves to that first half. Again. Yeah, I know, but the but you know what, Tim? When you do something like this, it's only fair to share the misery. Right. 
So are we going to become a video podcast and just uh, watch ourselves pulling nails out of our hands? No, I think there's already enough Senator podcasts that our video do that already. So what? The, yo, if Zoopcast, if you're listening, please pull up a next podcast. You know what? The Zoopcast would do that, but they will never have described audio. With visually impaired. Yeah, buddy, buddy. So, no, I know we did talk about a little bit about the weather, what's been going on in Alberta this past week, across Canada, blow freezing temperatures. It's been really bad. But I got to ask you the question, Tim. Other than the weather, how are things been going? Good. Uh, we finally got the rest of our wiring done. So uh, hopefully, we could move on to drywalling. Oh, excellent, excellent. Did you find any more wires that go to nowhere? Kind of, actually. No, did you really? There was a wire that was like running up to a the switch box right at the top of the basement stairs, right? Yep. And then there was another wire coming out of that and going to somewhere else. And we couldn't figure out where it was going. So we ended up shutting off the power to the whole house and then just trying different things. But the weird thing was, is like the outlet my laptop was plugged into while I was doing work on Saturday was still charging like there's still power going to my laptop so I'm like okay so the out one of the outlets in my kitchen is actually wired to the basement one of these random lights is also wired to the basement somewhere so yeah we just we don't know what we don't know where it went to be honest honestly that sounds like something out of the show home improvement where the wiring would just go somewhere and tim would catch himself on fire either electrocute himself or something would happen yeah. Man. Is that the first time we've unironically referenced Tim Allen on this show? I don't know if we have. I know we've mentioned home improvement in the past. And, and we've like about- ironically talked about it, but like that was just like a yeah, that's a thing that happens a cool time. Yeah, all you're missing is a husky guy with a beard and plana going, I don't think so, Tim. That show was everywhere in the nineties. I and it's so weird to think how it went from being like this almost a staple of television, even in the UK, to like just completely forgotten. Yeah, but that's like a lot of those shows from the 90s. Like a great example uh, up until Netflix brought it back was uh, fam- was it not Family Matters. Um, Who was? It was the one that had Bob Saget in it. Bob Saget Family Matters. No. Um, damn it! This is this is really gonna bother me. I'm gonna Google this real quick. He was Full House. That's what it was. Fuller House. I've seen the first season of Fuller House. It is not good, mind you. Neither was Full House. There's a lot of those shows from like the '90s that you go back and rewatch. You're like, ah, this show is sir certainly something. Why Why did people tune into this? I think it's because at the time, I think people just wanted to turn their brains off and just kind of just enjoy it for half an hour. I think really a show at the, when The Sopranos came along, I think that's when people's mindsets around television shows started to change. Oh, this actually has to be worth my time? Yes. Man, you know what show I remember? Everybody Loves Raymond. That show was 
looking back on it, that show was not good. It was, God, it was, that show was just cringe. I have to, a show that I think in the same vein is King of Queens. Although, I will say, Arthur is hilarious in that show. The only thing I remember about King of Queens is there was a, the episode I happened to be, well, just stumble on on TV had Chuck Norris on it. I was like, okay, I'll see where this goes. And somehow it was just like, it was kind of funny. Because, like, the guy played... It was Paul Blart was in King of Queens, right? Yeah, it was yeah. Kevin Kevin James. Kevin James, yeah. Kevin James's character was, like, trying to be like, oh, I'm going to learn all this cool karate stuff from Chuck Norris. And Chuck Norris is like, oh, you got kids. We can hang out and do kid stuff. Sorry, stuff with the kids. And that, like, that disconnect was pretty funny. Yeah, I think there was even a running gag in the show that Lou Ferrigno was Kevin James's neighbor in the show. <laughs> and, he, and actually Lou Ferrigno wasn't too too bad he was, he was okay I just never really watched King of Queens the only thing I really remember watching in like the early 2000s was the Simpsons Family Guy King of the Hill and yeah like if the show just wasn't very good I, oh, I guess I watched a decent amount of CSI because like as far as a whodunit went CSI did a pretty good job of making them interesting that's the funny thing about the 2000s is you did actually have the advent of some pretty good TV. Yeah, and some TV that people still look back very fondly, like a show like 24, for example. Or House. Or House. Or even if you're moving away from dramas, a show like My Name is Earl. Yeah, actually, I do remember watching that. Yeah, we've, we've talked about that yeah. show. I, I know that I've mentioned in the past that my friend Lisa reminds me so much of Joy. And not um, in like the not in like the trailer trash sort of way, but just certain stuff that she would say, certain facial expressions. I watch it, I'm like, oh my god, that that's Lisa. Yeah, no, that was a that was a surprisingly good. There was just like a lot of quality. Well, I didn't watch a lot of TV. People liked the first season of Heroes, and then all of a sudden, I remember people just not liking Heroes. So I guess there was like the second. Yo, remember Lost? That's it. I thought that's exactly where I was going with that too. I was like. Well, what about Lost? People loved Lost until something about Alien showed up. Yeah, it's like, oh, there's we're stuck on this island. Oh, there's some weird stuff going on. Oh, it's Aliens. Honestly, has J.J. Abrams ever finished anything in a way that anybody likes? No, even with Star Wars. like he, <laughs> Even Star, Star Wars. Wars was not good. No. Like, Episode 7 was just like... Is pretty derivative from uh, A New Hope. Episode 8, Ryan Johnson just threw out all of the plot hooks. And then they were supposed to have a different director for episode 9, but they're just like, I think either the director bailed or Disney was like, okay, JJ, can you fix this? Wasn't that Ron Howard? Or was Ron it, Howard. Was it, was it, did Ron Howard do that or did he do Rogue One? I think Ron Howard did Rogue One. Okay, I remember seeing Rogue One in the theater, and I just kind of walked away going, eh. Like, you know, like, when I was younger, I was a big Star Wars guy, right? Yep. I remember we went, I was, like, really excited to go see Episode 7 in theaters. Mm -hmm. And we went with Chelsea's dad, like, Chelsea's parents, and Chelsea's dad's also, like, a big Star Wars guy. Like, he, he read, like, a lot of the extended universe novels and everything, and he walked out of that theater, and I remember, like, we both walked out, and we just kind of... All of us kind of looked at each other. Chelsea's like, that was kind of all right. And we're all, Tim and I are just like, that was all right. 
Yeah. That's the overwhelming feeling from the people that I went to see it with. We all kind of walked up like, it was all right, I guess. And then like, I didn't bother seeing episode eight in theaters. I watched it on TV. I'm like, this is boring. I don't know why people are so like mad about it or mad about people being mad about it. This movie's just mid and like not in a fun way. Yeah. And episode nine, I only saw that like last a couple of years ago on TV. And all I could think of is, yo, this is like when I was a kid and I took all of my Star Wars action figures out of the box and just made up a story. Probably made up a better story than that would have been. Yeah. So, and then like, I guess the thing is, is like, it felt like the Disney Star Wars movies were just Marvel movies with Star Wars paint on them. Yeah, I think that's where Disney has really dropped the ball with all of their products that they've purchased, especially from LucasArts and Lucasfilms. It's, oh, and somehow Star Wars got the better end of it compared to Indiana Jones. I did not watch the last Indiana Jones event. You know what, in fairness, I saw Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in theaters. It wasn't, it's not a great movie, but it was... Then again, I just kind of took it for what it is, and I I walked away, and I was like, oh, okay. It's funny because like King of the Crystal Skulls feels a lot like the prequels to me, where George Lucas was just like, you know what, I'm making something that I like, and people are like, should we have let you cook? It's because like the prequels, they're funky. It's funny you like, mentioned they're weird movies. They are, and I know that one of the hosts from the Simpsons podcast, Four Figure Discount they did the episode codependence day where they talked about the prequels and guy, one of the hosts, he says, you know, about the prequels, he says that overall there's a really, there is a very interesting story. It's either you have one really great story or you have a good mini series out of it. Yeah. And then it feels like what's weird is it almost feels like if they had the movie wouldn't have felt it so disjointed and weird if they had more time but broke it up into smaller chunks. Because, like, have you ever watched the deleted scenes from the Re Revenge of the Sith? Truthfully, I have not seen Revenge of the Sith since 2005 when it was in the theaters. Actually, that's not true. I saw it once on home video, and I think I got halfway through it. I'm like, this is not that good. I remember really liking it in theaters, to I be honest. didn't. And you know what's funny? I know, I know nowadays I'm maybe not the exception to this rule. I think of the three prequels, as stupid as it is, I kind of like the Phantom Menace the best. Oh, Phantom Menace is probably the... It's... When you accept the Phantom Menace for what it is... It's a fun movie. It's a it has, fun movie. Dude, like the pod racing scene, fantastic. Or, like, the, even the final battle on Naboo where, like, the Gungans are, like, rolling spheres over droids. It's, like, yeah. you kind of have to remember, like, okay, like, we're following, like, a literal child Anakin. You're And you're kind of seeing the world through his eyes? It's a little stupid. It is. And there's, like, three key things about that movie that was great. The battle on Naboo. The lightsaber battle between Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Darth Maul. And the pod racing scene. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the story. And it's, like, even the intro is actually kind of cool, too, where they introduce uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Yeah. And you know what? I think that was great casting, too. 
Oh yeah. Especially Ewan McGregor, who I think is like a distant relative of Alec McGuinness. Well, that's kind of neat actually. But going back to uh, it, the deleted scenes from uh, episode three, a lot of it is like the politicking that's going around in the background to set up the rebellion. So the rebellion just kind of existing at the end isn't as much of like you know it's gonna happen. So if you've seen the other ones, you know it's gonna happen. So it's not that big of a deal to cut those scenes. But it it's kind of interesting that somehow Mon Mothma is this massive political player who sets up the rebellion, and she all of her scenes are cut, except for like one at the end. Okay, like so- she doesn't show up. It's kind of crazy. Well, let me ask you: if they didn't cut those out of the movie, does that make Return of the Sith? more coherent i think it does but then you're looking at like a two and a half hour runtime which that movie doesn't justify so like if you had like a and this is a really disney way to do it but if you had like a side series like the birth of the rebellion or something like that then you might have you might have had space for that where if you don't care you don't have to watch it and episode three episode three stands on its own but it becomes a little mo- more coherent if you've seen, like, this extra series. Okay. But you don't have to if you don't want to. Also, the opening for episode three is f- is lit, by the way. Like, where they, like, land in the Star Destroyer. That's so cool. That is really cool. That is really cool. And you know what's funny? It's like, I have so little interest to go back and rewatch episode three. But I think when Anakin goals full heel that's really when the movie gets so good and it's just like it's a shame that for most of the movie that's not it yeah yeah because he goes like full heel at the two-thirds mark yep yeah and then it's like actually just really good writing up until like literally the last five minutes spoilers for a literally 20 year old movie at this point oh my god it's turning 20 next year tim yep how did why is she dying she died of a broken heart. George, come on! <laughs> yeah, that's one of those like first draft lines that you're just like, eh, maybe don't do that, George. But that's just such a funny line. It's, <laughs> it's so like after bad. the climactic, like it's the dude one in the movie. The cl- the film's climax is actually really good, but then, admittedly, I remember the ending of that film because of that it might not be the cleanest ending but man do i remember it what i remember about that third act is just how good hayden christian really is as anakin especially when you see there's a one where all the little kid jedis are like it's like masters what's going on and he just kind of turns to him with like half of his face covered you're like oh shit like, yeah, like, I remember people were kind of wondering about casting him as Anakin in episode two. Mm-hmm. But you really see it pay off in episode three. Yeah. Episode I... two is such a funky movie, too. I've seen it. I have not seen it in over 20 years. I saw it in the theaters. I walked out. And as a 10-year-old, that was probably, you know, what's funny. I think that was the first movie I ever walked out of. And I immediately thought, you know. I'll probably never, ever watch that again. It, was that your first theater disappointment? 
Yeah, because I think up until that point, all the movies I'd seen in the theaters, actually, actually, no, that's not that's not true. I think it was either that or Signs. Signs I saw, was bad. I saw Signs, and I was like, "This movie sucks." I think my first theater disappointment, and it's funny because these two really came around the same time. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets was that. So that's the second one. Second one, yeah. Like they cut so much that the movie was actually kind of incoherent. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it as a kid, being like, "I've read the book, so I know what's happening." And like a a, a bunch of the parts that got cut were like, "Oh, these are really nice character building parts that that also are kind of important to the story." I'm like, "This movie doesn't make sense." And I think part of the reason why uh, Prisoner of Azkaban worked a bit better, I I never saw it because I'd given up on the Harry Potter movies at that point was it got an extra half hour runtime. So they didn't have to be as aggressive on the cuts as they did with Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, I think Star Wars and Signs were one of the first movie disappointments. I do want to put the button on this conversation and then we'll hit oh, it yeah. on the top of the hour. So, you know, when I mentioned Signs, Star Wars episodes two and three, and Indiana Jones... I saw all of these at the Caprice Theater in Duncan. <laughs> it shut down two weeks ago. Really? It, it finally went out of business. So is there just going to be no movie theater in Duncan? Or are they going to open another one in, like, Couch and Commons? Because Duncan's, like, the couch and area seems a bit too big to not have a movie theater. I think it's just out of business. Do You know what? I wonder. I wonder how much business they really were doing the last couple of years since it reopened after covid yeah well it was a shitty theater it, sorry it wasn't a very good theater to begin no with. it was it was a shitty theater it was us. old yeah it was old bad it was clearly showing its age like do you remember when we all saw spider-man 3 in that theater? oh wow that was 15 years ago opening night and we're all crammed into that theater i have not watched that movie since same and i remember so much of it because it was so fun just dumping on this movie in real time as like the rest of the theater started to realize that it wasn't a good movie. And you know what? There's actually people out there that feel that Spider-Man 2 wasn't that great of a movie. I've never seen Spider-Man 2. Really? I th- I like it. I've been told it's good. It is not too bad. It's not too bad. I liked one. <laughs> Spider-Man 1. That, that movie's showing its age. Oh, yeah. It was fun for what it was. Well, Tim, I I believe it's time that we turn our attention and segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. That was a fun conversation. I really enjoyed it. Movies are great. Movies are great. Now, actually, I do want to add one quick story here to Top of the Hour that just broke yesterday. Former Montreal Canadian first-round pick Terry Ryan made a comeback with the East Coast Hockey League's Newfoundland Growlers at the age of 47. Terry Ryan played eight games for the Montreal Canadiens between 1995 and 1999. Yeah, that's definitely a player I've never heard of. Yeah, he's a player that... And and why would you, right? I mean, he only played eight games in the NHL, but he was a top-ten pick for the Montreal Canadiens in 95 Injuries definitely got the best one, but I think in recent years, people know him best 
from his roles on Letterkenny, Shorzy, his appearances on Spit and Chicklets, which I think really brought him back into the public eye. He put out a couple of books in the last couple of years. He's been in movies. He's been in TV shows. And now he's made a comeback in the East Coast League. Well, I guess the ECHL, it's just seems like a weird mix of guys who are really grinding it for kind of like that last chance at pro hockey in North America. And just kind of meme stuff like this and Sean Avery. Yeah. Like, it's a weird league. Because, like, you, it's almost impossible to live off the ECHL salary, right? The crazy thing is, and I can't remember if it was when John Hill was on the show, or something that those players talked about, is that apparently the players in that league get paid peanuts, but all their accommodations are paid by the team. Right. So they're not going out to get another job to support themselves. They're and, and apparently like especially in Orlando, you're they're living in like very nice places. Right. Yeah. And uh just a sidebar to the story about the ECHL. I do want to give a quick shout out to John Hill, that solar bear fan on TikTok. Unfortunately, as I told you a week or so ago. He is currently battling cancer, so thoughts go out to John and his family and hope he makes a speedy recovery. Yeah, no kidding. And we're in his corner for sure. So, Tim, we're going to get some congratulations. And we're going to start off with Pittsburgh Penguins captain Sidney Crosby, who moved into 22nd on the all time goals list at 574. You know how the last couple of years Alex Ovechkin dominated with like his scoring records? I think Crosby's now taken that spot from him. Well, it's Crosby's in that place where it's really impressive, but you still have a bit, bunch of bunching. Well, Ovechkin for goals, it's just Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. But now good on Sid, 574. And he's still got another couple of years left to go, if so. Well, what's wild about Sidney Crosby is he's... Hasn't slowed down for the last 10 years. So who knows what he's capable of? Like, we were talking about catching Mario, right? Mm-hmm. Hell, catch Mario. I think he might just pass Mario. Yeah, well, total points, he is 30 behind Ray Bork and 60 and 50 behind Phil Esposito. Those yeah. are the two he's chasing. And he won't catch them. Well, he might even catch them this year with the way he's playing. Yeah, two great legends in black and gold. Yeah, and I think that would be a fun ceremony to have. That would, for sure. So we're going to move away from talking about one Halifax-born player to another. Colorado Avalanche forward Nathan McKinnon tied the Avalanche Nordiques franchise record for longest home point streak at 23 games. That's cool. Yeah. You know what would have been really cool? Is if Nathan McKinnon had passed Matt Sundin. For the all-time points list at 30. That's actually pretty crazy. I think it's still crazy that, of all people, Matt Sundin holds that record. Not Joe Sackick, not Peter Forsberg, Matt Sundin. Right, but Sundin was... I think we tend to underrate how good Sundin is as Sens fans. Uh, I don't think so. I think as Sens fans, we knew how good he was in Toronto. I think we grossly underrate... What a talent he was in Quebec. Right. 
And then, of course, the last time we saw him was that really bizarre run in Vancouver. Yeah, but you know what, though? I still say the one player he helped the most, and actually he even confirmed that, was Ryan Kessler. Because without, without Matt Sundin, Kessler probably wouldn't have been the centerman. Well, I, I don't want to say that. He probably would have been a great centerman. I don't know if he would have been the centerman he ended up becoming. That's so weird. That is. That is. Now, you know what's also really weird, Tim? And this past week, I mean, there was a number of teams that recorded franchise game-winning streaks, whether the Seattle Kraken or other teams. This one, this caught me off guard. The Edmonton Oilers recorded their franchise's first 10-game winning streak. This is a franchise, by the way, that had Gretzky, Messier, Anderson, Curry, Coffey, Grant Fear, you had the Hockey Hall of Fame in the 1980s. They did not win 10 straight games in a season. That's incredible. Actually, that's incredible. That is incredible. I would have not believed that until I read it. Yeah. But then it's also funny how, like, Seattle just rung off nine and uh, Pittsburgh stopped them at 10. Uh, Ottawa's, I think Ottawa's had a 10 gamer. I believe so, yeah. Like, if not the Hamburglar run, they had a run in 2010 that got them into a playoff spot. I thought they would have done it in the early 2000s, but I'm sure they probably did it in the 2010s. Knowing the Senators, they probably did it in the 2010s. Yeah. Like, the Senators, they're a weird bunch. They are a weird bunch. They are a weird bus. Now, unfortunately, we are going to continue talking about the Edmonton Oilers. But we're going to talk about Ford Evander Kane's ex-wife who was escorted out of Little Caesar Arena during the team's game versus the Red Wings. This is just... Again, this is a story that we talked about with Evander Kane. And I don't get what she was trying to do. Yeah, that's that's tough. Yeah, like Evander Kane has a restraining order against her. So I'm not I'm not sure what she's trying to do. And... I'm not saying that her claims are unjustified because again, we don't know everything behind the scenes. Yep. She could just be, you know, she might have some legitimacy to her claims. She might just be a ex-wife that has an ax to grind. Yeah. The, the other thing is with that sort, like her in particular, it's like, that's such a messy situation that spilled out into the public. The courts have been involved. And given that Evander Kane is still allowed to play, it's very, very complicated. So like, yeah, the less said, the better. Yeah. So we're going to move away from talking about that and talk about the NHL's 2004 All-Star Game jerseys. Oh, which were... one second. Yep. What's up? Ottawa's longest winning streak was 11 January 14th, 2010 to February 4th, 2010. Okay, then. See, I probably, see, I do have probably something of those 2010s, like mid-sense teams. Yep. Although this, we haven't touched their longest winless streak yet. It's that was 21 games. Let me guess, expansion year? Yep, October 10th, 1992 to November 23rd. You remember how we Ian Mendez when he did the athletic article where he did like the if you can get these many sends questions right, you're a diehard fan. 
I got one I want to ask him to do next time he does one of those. Okay, so everybody knows that the Senators beat the Montreal Canadiens in their very first game in the NHL. Yeah. Who is the second team they beat? Nobody knows. New Jersey. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So let's talk about these all-star game jerseys. So they were revealed to the public and the said jerseys were helped designed by the brand of Justin Bieber. I think oh. the meme, the meme that's going around and I'm going to quickly send it to you because it makes me laugh is that somebody had a picture of all the jerseys and they had bags of Doritos underneath it. Yeah. That's what they look like. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I like the yellow. Sorry, I mean, I like the blue on the Leafs Bieber jersey. The yellow ones just look kind of ugly. And, and these are not great. You know what they all, they kind of look like? What? They look like uh, the badge for the Starship Enterprise. Oh my god, you're absolutely right. They totally do. They totally do. And you know what? I'm just looking at the picture here now. I'm not going to lie. The white one just looks like a practice jersey. Actually, let me wait for a sec. All of them look like practice jerseys with yeah. just a design on them. That's exactly what they look like. I don't get it. What is it about the All-Star Game jerseys that they just can't seem to get one right? I get that you want to have ones that are like, that want to stand out for whatever game. And then I found that they perfected it last year when they went back to like that mid-90s era of i think it was at the was it the boston either boston or san jose game oh where, yeah these are good where they've got like the pink and blues yeah i just yeah. i just sent it to you i looked at that like look at that thing how do you ruin perfection try to think of, like what other ones they got here because even the year before wasn't terrible no, they were just kind of bland. That's the only problem I have with the All-Star Game jerseys, though. I did like the ones from Florida because those are the ones that I grew up as a, as a little, little kid. Because, and I know this is going to be a, a memory, dark matter of your brain sort of thing. So I don't know. I, you might have been living in England by this point. Do you remember when McDonald's did the promotion for the All-Star Game and they had the Muppets in the no. All-Star Game? Okay, they had, and I think there was, who was it? There was Kermit, Fozzie Bear, Miss Piggy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you this picture because it's great. Oh no! Muppets All Star Game. Maybe we do need to be a visual podcast if we're talking about stuff like this. <laughs> Animal, Animal was the other one. There was four of them. I always remember that. Okay. okay, I just sent it to you. Okay, those are... Oh, wow. But yeah, it's like, I can't remember the last time I cared about an All-Star game. Actually, no, that's a lie. It was the time they had John Scott on. That's Do you remember one. when people were trying... Earlier this year, when people were trying to uh, meme Shane Pinto into the fan vote? It's... Would he even be allowed to go? He doesn't have a contract. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I tell you. 
The only thing that will get the taste of those All-Star Game jerseys out of my mouth is talking about a trade. The Anaheim Ducks have traded defenseman Jamie Drysdale in a 2025 second-round pick to the Philadelphia Flyers for a 2022 fifth-overall pick, Cutter Gauthier. Now, before we talk about the off-ice stuff, let's talk about this trade in a vacuum. Because the one thing that I can praise Daniel Briere's tenure so far as a Philadelphia Flyer is that unlike previous general managers in Philadelphia, Danny Briere at least has a vision of what he wants to do with this team. Yep. And he's been able to pretty much execute it. And he's been able to do it in a no-drama way. For the most part. And that's actually pretty commendable. I really see where he's going with Jamie Drysdale. His underlying is a bit rough, but I I think a lot of that is just a function of him playing on that Anaheim team. And unfortunately, having some of his formative years formed by one Dallas Eakins. Hockey terrorist. Hockey terrorist number two. So definitely take the underlying with a grain of salt. And I really get why they drafted uh, Cutter Gauthier. Because watching him at the World Juniors this year, he was incredibly dynamic. Just great skater, great shot. He's going to be a good NHLer. He is. And for Anaheim, I mean, that's a huge pickup, especially up front where you already have Trevor Zegers, you have Troy Terry, you have people up front. I think for me, when it comes to Jimmy Drysdale, I wonder how much of the Ducks making this trade is because of that young Russian defenseman they have right now really blossoming. Oh, yeah, he's been fantastic. And that gives them the opportunity to really take a chance. And from a roster construction point of view, I I don't hate it. No, I honestly, this this is a very, this is a fair trade for both sides. You get Jamie Drysdale to Philadelphia. Yes, Jamie's been injured the last couple of years, but he's still young. He's going to come back and he's going to get big minutes in Philadelphia and they get a second. Yeah. Gauthier is going to go to Anaheim, play with all that talent up front. Great trade for both sides. Now, let's talk about Cutter Gauthier and why he did not go to Philadelphia. This is so weird. Because we don't fully know why. It's been so... I don't want to say misinformed, but it's just been so convoluted as to what exactly happened because the one thing about philadelphia is that philadelphia fans will absolutely love you if you want to play there but but the moment you cross it that line seem like you don't want to be there you don't want to work or you just or you're about to be a not philadelphia players when those fans get nasty well, remember what happened to Allen Iverson? Remember what happened to Donovan McNabb? Yeah. Or worse, what about Eric Lindros? Yeah. Well, that's... It's funny how when you talk about a lot of great NHL players, I think even the league is tired of got tired of Eric Lindros. Yeah, I think it's just because over the years, it became such a sideshow with, with Lindros. 
where his talent, and listen, again, this always goes back to what I said in the past. Teams will take a chance on you if you're good. Teams took a chance on Eric Lindros because even though he was a shell of what he was, he still had talent. Yeah. He was not the Toronto. same. Yeah. Dallas. He was not the same Eric Lindros. But for this team with with Cutter Gauthier, it's we don't know what fully happened. He said right from the beginning, he says, yeah, I'm so excited. I can't wait to play for Philadelphia. I get it. Every prospect, every player in every league is going to say the exact same thing. Oh, I'm so excited we got drafted to this team. Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to go, yeah, I don't care. I'm not coming, so I don't know why you drafted me. Eric Lindros. We're talking about on the Flyers side, one thing I really took away from the cutter Gauthier situation is two things. you got to commend Danny Breer for not making a spectacle of it because he absolutely, in every right, could have said, okay, well, you're going to be forced to come here regardless of whether you like this or not and made a big spectacle of it. But also, you had John Tortorella that could have done something really bad on this, and he didn't. Because the media and the fans were trying to point fingers at Jimmy Hayes. No, is it Jimmy or Kevin that plays in Philly? Kevin. Kevin, yeah, sorry, Jimmy's the one passed away. You're right. It's Kevin Hayes. So the fans are saying, oh, yeah, Kevin Hayes had something to do with this. John Tortorella in a press conference called out said reporter that said this and says, are you freaking kidding me? He says, you know what? I may have had problems with Kevin, but he and I patched up and we're good. And that's the thing. And it could have been one of the situations where maybe Gauthier didn't want to play for Torts. But I think it's Torts has been in the league the last several years. The one thing that you're finding more and more Torts has actually been sort of good with young players. Well, the funny thing is, is there was a clip from a Flyers practice the other day where I forget it was Jamie Drysdale steps off the ice. And then you see the forwards have all held on to each other's sticks and they've made a trade. And I think it, I want to say it was Kevin Hayes at the front going like, choo, choo, as they're skating around the ice. So it's like, I think, Torts has also changed. Yep. To because like yeah, old Torts would not have had that sort of bull, sort of thing going on. But that just looks like a team that's winning and having fun. Yeah, and it really show. I gotta say, is that I've always been kind of kind of split on where I stood with Torts. I feel like I kind of have to give him some respect on how he handled that whole thing with Kevin Hayes. Mm. especially to the media, because he could have tore Kevin Hayes apart. He could have tore that reporter apart. But he says, you know what? That's unfair. Yeah. Basically, it was more of a how dare you. The weird thing about Cutter Goche is Cutter Goche is a college player. So Danny Breyer did good to get something. Because the thing about NCAA players is they can threaten to basically get released out of their contract by just playing their full career at the NCAA level. So there's a lot of players who have been drafted, play their full career, and then they're a free agent. I think Jimmy BC was like that. Yeah. And honestly, I think in retrospect, Jimmy Vasey was not a good enough player to really warrant that. Yeah. 
Adam Fox certainly was. Oh, God. Do you remember when the Rangers played Calgary and just the amount of boos he got from the Flames fans? As you do. As you do, man. As you do. So we got a couple of signings to talk about. Now, outside of the Cutter Gauthier trade, the big news story this week, Tim. The Toronto Maple Leafs re-signing forward William Nylander to an eight-year, $92 million contract with an AAV 11.5. We We talked talked about this last week. Yes. Yes, we did. And I don't mind the contract, but it's got... The Leafs are going to kind of have a skeleton crew for the next couple, the next year at least. Especially with some long contracts that I think are going to be harder to justify. Like Morgan Riley, at 7.5, he might be good for that for a couple more years. I think the Leafs are very lucky that TJ, TJ Brody is only really breaking down now. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be kind of hard to replace him. Especially at five, for what he does at five million. I think with his signing, I mean, again, we talked so much about it last week, so there's not really anything new we could really talk about. There is one thing I do want to brought up. So back in 2014, when William Nylander got drafted by the Leafs, eighth overall, for the most part, the media was like, okay, good player, whatever. One person in the media took exception to this rule. I didn't bring the clip in. I brought a quote in, Tim. Ooh. Are you ready for this? Yep. So here it is right here. We have the Stanley Cup champions, at the time it was the LA Kings, who have won two out of the three Stanley Cups. Their roster is full of Canadians, full of guys from the OHL, <laughs> and they win two out of three. How many Canadians did the Leafs draft? Zero. No stars will ever come here to Toronto. Why would you? You have to go through the draft. They have not had an impact player since Wendell Clark. They passed on a guy, Nick Ritchie, who is six foot three, 230 pounds, and had 100 minutes in penalties. <laughs> oh, you're going to say he's a dummy? Only three players in the draft scored more goals than this guy. And guess what? Who Guess who picked him right after that? Anaheim. The person <laughs> who quoted this. And you know what? We've seen some real hot takes and some takes that really have been so off the board. This came from Don Sherry 10 years ago. Yep. I wonder how bad he's eating his words right now. And keep in mind, Nick Ritchie also played for Toronto and was awful. Awful. I think he's still on the Marlies, if I remember correctly. Or did they finally get rid of him? No, they got rid of him. But, uh, yeah, that was very, very funny. Take a Kyle Clifford still on the Marlies. But, yeah, no, he was bad for Toronto. And I remember when they signed Nick Ritchie, people were making fun of that. Oh, look, it's his, he's six foot three, guys. We've made it. And this is why Don Cherry's not on TV. I mean, that and other that reasons. That and other things. But it's also kind of funny. Just Toronto has been pretty good at drafting and developing. You got to give them that. Like, as much as I don't... I still don't agree with the Rasmus Sandin trade, by the way. I still think that was short-sighted. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. I think think if you look... It's when you look at the Leafs outside of the first round. Is when you're seeing kind of the Edmonton effect, too. Where they're very good in drafting first round. 
And then there's just nothing after that. Yeah, they they also trade a lot of picks. True. Because, like, I think... When was Matthew Nyes drafted? Nyes was a second rounder. Was he a second rounder? Nyes was a second rounder, and he's been good for them. I think they brought up Pontus Holmberg, who's a sixth rounder, but I don't think he's a permanent HLer. No. And then they've been they've been trying so hard to get something out of Nick Robertson. But like the thing about Toronto is they've they've done pretty well with their seconds. Sorry, actually, can I go back to the Cutter Gauthier trade here for just one moment, yeah. Tim? Because, you know, again, we just mentioned Don Cherry. The media's reaction to the trade, and you know how every media member, they're trying to be professional. Like, well, you know, there was a there was talks about the Flyers and Gauthier, yada, yada, yada. Jeff O'Neill was on a panel, and O'Dog straight up cut through the bullshit and just said, listen, if you didn't want to get drafted, you had to put your big boy pants on, and you tell them why. Do not give some vague, like, oh, I don't know, I didn't want to. Just no. You don't, they drafted you. You don't want to go there. You've got to be the one taking responsibility for this. Put your big boy pants on. Go to Danny Barrera and tell him why. Yep. And you know how a few weeks ago, Tim, when you were in studio, we talked about Charles Barkley. And I talked about how Charles is so good for the TNT broadcast for the NBA because he's so full of not talking bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's Jeff O'Neill. And I want, and I often worry, like if O-Dog went to a national broadcast, I think they would have neutered him the way they did with Kevin Bieksa. Yeah. Kevin Bieksa, if you go back, if you think about when he first joined Hockey Night in Canada, you know, Ron McLean, old freaking Mr. White Noise there, who says so little by saying so much, he'll try and throw it to like Elias Patterson, and Kevin's like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to talk about him. I want to talk about Quinn Hughes instead. Yeah, you need, like, that energy I like. But it's so, it's funny, because, uh, Have you ever just thought about a Hamlet quote a lot? Brevity is the soul of wit. And that Sportsnet panel is missing a lot of it. It's amazing. Like, as much as I don't like Carlo Koliakovo sometimes on the TSN broadcast. Yeah. He just says shit. And it's it's incisive and it's brief. But it's like, there is value to that statement. Versus you get like, and this is the weirdest thing about Jennifer Botterill on that Sportsnet podcast is, have you ever listened to her on, I think she also works, will do NBC games. Oh, uh, you mean TNT? Or TNT. Yeah, on TNT, she's great. I've heard, yeah, I, I have heard that too. I've heard that her on TNT and her on Sportsnet are two very different things. Yeah, and that's the problem is Sportsnet's producers and writers are terrible. Bottom of the barrel. Yeah, they just, like, you know... I'll use the term white noise. That's all it is. Like they're talking so much. And I'm like, what exactly are you talking about? And not in a way that I disagree. It's just like, they go on about something. That's just like, you can't, you don't, it's nothing. That's a full of nothingness. But yeah, we've, we've said our bit a lot about that broadcast and, the sooner that contract expires, and if uh, what I've heard about that contract losing a ton of money is true, maybe we'll get TSN national broadcasts again. Wait, are you saying that we're going to get 
Jeff O'Neill and Mark Mathot together once again. That would be great. Oh god, that would be so great. That would be like Shaq and Barkley right there. Dude, I'd I'd pay to do that. Now I'll tell you who did get paid though, Tim, is your boy Nick Folino. Let's Chicago, go. Chicago Blackhawks have re-signed for Nick Folino to a two-year, four point five billion dollar contract with an AAV of two two five. Yo, those one-year, four billion dollar contracts—they did me so good. Ah, oh, good lord, good lord! Such a good bit, you have to admit. Yeah, uh, okay, no, I'm gonna give you that, Tim. I am gonna give you that. Now, sticking with the Ottawa Senators, news broke today about the Ottawa Senators, and I want you to take the lead on Tim. What's going on with our Ottawa Senators? So there's been another coaching shuffle with the Ottawa Senators. Goalie coach Zach Bjerk has been moved into a scouting position to be replaced with Belleville scouting coach, sorry, Belleville's goaltending coach, Justin Peters. Justin Peters himself was an NHL goalie who played for the Carolina Hurricanes. It was that Justin Peters? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's that Justin Peters. Yeah, 37 years ago. Yep, it's that Justin Peters. Okay, yeah, when I read that story, I was like, there's no way it's that Jeff Peters. That's kind of cool. But you know what, though? I do got to give credit to the Ottawa Senators because they're finally recognizing that Zach Burek is a terrible goalie coach. You go through the list of the amount of goalies, how many of them have ended up doing well elsewhere? Mm. You know what? Throw a rock. What's funny is saying that a month ago, would have been perfectly valid. Saying it this week. Oh no. Cam Talbot has hit a rut. Because LA has been playing something off. Gustafson has reverted back to early season form, which is a uh, the Joey Decord's been doing good. Joey Decord. Yeah. But I think Joey Decord left before Burek showed up. And that's kind of the frustrating thing is like. I really liked the work that the previous goaltending coach, uh, Peter Grolou, was doing. All of Ottawa's goaltenders looked pretty good under him, except for Matt Murray. And you could see that Bjerk really likes that dynamic style of goal, like dynamic athletic style of goaltending. While Justin Peters has Mandelize, Sogard, and... Marilinen. Uh, Marilinen playing a very structured goaltending. So he's very much... Get get the read, get your structure, and then move. Which I think would be great to reinstall in Jonas Corpusala. Yeah, so basically, here's the comparison I'm going to do. Is that Zach Birick is a goalie coach perfect for like a Robin Leonard. Justin Peters are perfect for a Craig Anderson. I think so. So hopefully, and I remember when I used to watch Jonas Corpusala play for the Blue Jackets. And even when he was playing for LA, Jonas Corpusalo's one of his strong suits was his position. Just really work on that for Jonas. And I think because this year the results for Jonas Corpusalo have been, I don't want to be mean, but they have not been like I think they've been like career worst for him. And I've I've heard people call him Corpusalo. I'm hoping this works out. Bjork might actually be a good scout, though. 
because like the thing he likes to see is a predictor of successful goaltending in that athletic ability. So basically you're saying is that he's a better evaluator of talent. He might be a better. I think he might be a better evaluator, a better evaluator. Yeah. So Tim, that wraps up top of the air. So this week, which means only one thing. So I'm trying to talk about some games. Now we only got two games on the schedule. We've got the Sens versus the Sabres and the Sharks versus the Senators. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Sens versus the Sabres. This is a 5-3 Sabres victory. Sens goes to score by Claude Giroux with two and Vladimir Tarasenko. Sens go- Sabres goes to score by Tage Thompson with two, J.J. Pierka. Peyton Krebs and Dylan Cousins. Shots were 32-28 for Buffalo. It's hard to imagine that a team would get a W twice. Because Buffalo got the W in the win column and with the Goathead jersey. Chef's kiss. Yeah, those things look good on the Adidas base, eh? They really do. And I'm so glad that they brought back the black ones. Because I think the Sabres historically, when it's been to like throwback, reverse retros, they've all been white. Yeah. So No, it's a good jersey. And these are two teams that just kind of stumbled into this game. And the teams are kind of mirror images of each other. They're teams that should have taken a bigger step, but hadn't. Buffalo, the process has been good. The results just haven't been there. And Tage Thompson, Tage Thompson had a monkey on his back. And man, it probably felt good for him to get to. And, and they both were, those they were goals nice. were beauties. Yeah, and that's the thing about the goaltending in this game. Like, even though Anton Forsberg did get re-injured in this game, Jonas Corposalo, there's nothing he's going to do on those shots. No, he came in cold and Ottawa just let two beautiful tic-tac-toe plays happen. One on a power play, one on the... And the power play one's right from the dot. Clean entry. Bam! Yeah. Zub opened the lane for him, but, like, what else are you going to do? Like, yeah, those were beautiful goal opportunities for Tage. And, yeah. Credit due to Corpusello, though, because he comes out for the second, lets in the Peyton Krebs goal, which another too nice of an opportunity given up by... I believe it was Shikran in that time bobbling the puck, which led to a two-on-one the other way. And Krebs just pockets it after Corpusalo gets moved to the left. There's no one there to block the pass, coming back right, right into the net. Just Ottawa gave gave him nothing. But credit to him. He actually held Ottawa in this one to a degree. Like, sure. Buffalo was only expected to score two goals on the shots that came their way, but Ottawa just no pressure and the miscues were pretty laughable. If you look at the money puck model, they have about four expected goals by the Sabres. So Corpusalo didn't play bad and Forsberg until he re-injured himself played great. Yeah. Now after this said injury, the Ottawa Senators have brought up Matt Solgard. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with him because He's a young goalie. I know there have been people in Sense Twitter who aren't excited about this. 
because they're thinking, oh God, what mess are we bringing him into? Right, but... And Trevor Shackle said this the best. Sure, he's a bit young, but if he can't handle playing in front of a bad team, he's not going to be an NHLer. So why not give him a few reps? One guy whose game I liked, despite a few bobbled opportunities, is I did like Thomas Shabbat's game. Like, it's the dominant performances we come to expect from Thomas Shabbat. And unfortunately, he just wasn't rewarded. No, he was definitely rewarded in the next game we're going to be talking about. But that's one of the things that I definitely noticed. I didn't get a chance to watch this game. I did get a chance to watch in like a, in the condensed version and thought he looked pretty good in this game too. Yeah, and uh, we actually got to see the return only for a bit of the Shabbat-Brandstrom pairing and it looked good in its limited ice. Shikrin and Sanderson looked awful. Like, that was just a pairing that just didn't work. And Shikrin was probably Ottawa's... Shikrin and Hamannick played a lot of ice this game as well, and that didn't work either. So, definitely back to the drawing board. I thought Tim Stutzla looked good in the game, but, again, just not rewarded. No, and while he, again... And a boneheaded play that led to, I believe, a third goal. And while he didn't get a goal in the Sharks game, he got four apples. Yeah, do you want to talk about the Sharks game? Absolutely. Sharks versus Senators. This is a 5-4 to four Senators victory. Sharks goes record by Anthony DeClaire, Mark Eduardo Vlasic, Kevin LeBlanc, and Philip Sedina. Senators goes record by Claude Giroux. Are you ready for this, Tim? Yeah. Hot Sam Bacho. Brady Dechuk, Drake Batherson, and Vladimir Tarasenko. Shots were 41-18 for the Senators. Now just imagine. Because we said last week, if they lost this game, that's the write-off right there of this season. Imagine if we outshot them like this and we lost. That's That'd insult be... insult to injury. Yeah. Mackenzie Blackwood didn't have the greatest game, to be perfectly honest. But he made it look more respectable than it was. Mm -hmm. Because there were, he robbed Tim Stutzla on a number of opportunities. And uh, what it was tied up at fours, imagine this game going to overtime on a Philip Zadina goal. He kept them in it in under extreme Ottawa duress until Tarasenko finally popped one pass him. One thing I've seen in the Calgary game, game last week, we didn't see it as much in the Buffalo game, and we certainly saw it in this game. Ottawa started to establish zone time. Actually, we started to see it a bit in the Buffalo game, too, is we're starting to see establishing zone time and applying pressure more regularly, which has been really nice to see, uh, especially in the last five minutes. And really through most of the third, the puck didn't really leave the San Jose end. And... As much as we say that the Ottawa Senators are like absolute dog shit tire fire team, San Jose is uh, something else. Like they they are the epitome of stop, stop. He's already dead. Yeah, this this team's not going anywhere. No, and you know, unfortunately for a team that is now officially in the rebuild for the first time in 
two decades. It's going to be something to watch. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I, actually, I'll take that back because I think when you look at the San Jose Sharks, I think realistically, this is the first time they've actually gone into an actual rebuild. Because you look at some of the years, like the mid to late 90s, yeah, they weren't great, but you could see they were kind of building. They still made the playoffs. Same in the 2000s. And then the, it was like they made it 2002, missed 2003, and like from 2004 to like 2014, they made the playoffs every year. So they never went through a rebuild. So this is brand new territory for the Sharks. Yeah, and I do wonder if their GM's the right one for the rebuild. The teardown's easy. And a little part of me is wondering, do you think they could get Anthony, the Sens could get Duclair back? I mean, I would really love to see him getting freed from that hellhole. Yeah. Like, yeah, you ship off Tarasenko at the trade trade deadline. And then see, I'm just going to check on Duclair's contract status. Yeah, he's UFA at the end of the season. Maybe Ottawa just goes back to him in the offseason. Although uh, Anthony Duclair's defense this season has been uh, not great. No, but have you seen the team he plays for? That's true. So you know how we're talking about Thomas Shabbat and how good he played against Buffalo? Man, when he hammered that shot home in this game... That was an exclamation mark right there. Oh, yeah. Giroux opening the scoring, Shabbat, and then Shabbat following up. Those are guys who definitely need to get one. Brady Kachuk is another guy who needed one. Batherson. Batherson. And Stutzla having a multi-point game, is I, that's huge for him. And uh, Sportsnet brought up a... Uh, sorry, no, it was TSN. TSN brought up a card about Stutzla's game. About Stutzla... I think he is seventh all time for the amount of multi sorry four point games before the age of 22 and the other players on the list are all like Gretzky Lemieux those sorts of players so he's keeping good company and as much as we've been pretty down on the Sens and especially the Sens top line mm-hmm. Stutzla's season the defense has been a bit rocky but it's been quietly good and I think better than he was last season and he's really starting to move into kind of that first line center elite territory that we expect out of him the player is going to be a star and actually i think even his defense even though it's not as good as it was last year still not other than the odd miscues not bad so it really it is really weird to see like kind of what's happening to some of these players where there's just been a kind of a weird regression this year yeah, well, especially, I think the big guy for me that really knows that is Jake Sanderson. Because you were expecting him to really take a next step, and he's kind of taking a step back. Yeah. Same, with, to... same, same with Chikrin. At, at times, I find Chikrin's the same way. Yeah, and as much as it sounds weird, I feel like Thomas Shabbat's been better this year. Like, the defensive miscues really aren't coming off his stick. As much as, and this is what I don't get about since Twitter being like, oh, it's time to ship off Shabbat. He's not good. Blah, 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 Post hoc vibe rationalizations. On most of the fancy stats, Shabbat is their best defenseman. Even on the counting stats, when you adjust for the fact that Shabbat's been injured, he's their best defenseman. 
trading Shabbat would be asinine. And frankly, I'm glad that it doesn't seem like Steve Steos reads Twitter. Does he even have Twitter? I don't know. But man, I am glad that uh, a lot of people just don't have access to power. Because yeah. they would make some uh, just very dumb reactionary decisions, you know? But then again, I guess it's really easy to just be dumb and reactionary when all you're doing is going taka, 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 taka. Yeah, you know? that's Twitter. Yeah, it's Twitter. I really said nothing. Exactly. You're essentially like Ron McLean, except in tweet form. <laughs> I don't know. I think. Do you think maybe Steve Stales is on Mastodon? Is anyone on Mastodon, really? I have a Blue Sky account, but... I, I don't have one. I don't know. Mastodon Jan... Like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Randy, what was that one that Instagram had? Was that Threads? Threads. That died off so I, hard. I deleted that. I was just like, I don't... I'm never on it. Even Instagram, I'm never even on it. I'm on my own at Great Wake History, but I'm not on the third line plug one. I look right. at it occasionally. I'll like post that the episodes are up, but I'm usually just on Twitter. Yeah, it's so funny how there, there was just a lot of optimism that Twitter was going to go the way of the dodo, and then it just didn't. No, because you have a bunch of nutcases and people who have nothing better to do than just spew hate into the world. Oh, Same. oh, oh, and the porn bots. It's sad that we just can't have nice things on the internet in 2024. <laughs> Ugh, I know. I know it's not like 20 years ago where if you wanted to see some like really sketchy shit, you had to go into like message boards and chat rooms. Well, it's funny because it's basically Twitter is just the mass market version of those. Yep. I try to watch what I say about Elon because he's my brother-in-law's boss. boss. Lord. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, what's kind of funny, though, is with the injury to Anton Forsberg puts him on uh, LTIR, it becomes much simpler for Ottawa to fit in uh, Shane Pinto when his suspension is up next week. By God, that's Shane Pinto's music. Because all, all they have to do is now they just have to send down a contract, which will probably be Zach McEwen. Zach McEwen. Either that or, uh, well, they seem to like Rourke Chartier. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, what do you think about JBD being healthy scratched? I think it's fair. I think it's either him or Hamannick. Ooh. It's more of a lesser of the two evils. Yeah, they both haven't been... Like, JBD, it's not been great. No, but at least unlike Hamannick, JBD's not just going to wire one at will. Yeah. Like, it's one of the two. Like... At least five out of six of Ottawa's best defense were playing. I think Hamannick this year has been worse than JBD. Yeah. Like, I, I think I would rather see. Hell, even I noticed that, Ben. Well, yeah, I think I would rather see. I'd rather take a chance at JBD or play J have JBD as your seventh defenseman and give Tyler Clevin a shot. Yeah, but I think. I think there's still so much season left. Maybe in like February, February, March, they might give Clevin a shot. But well, the other thing though is like Belleville's been playing really well. 
So maybe they'll just let them have a, a playoff run in Belleville. And then once the playoffs look pretty much assured, then Clevin gets some reps with the big club. Now, the one comment we didn't make on this game, Tim, Vladimir Tarasenko, 3.3 seconds to go, puts Ottawa up 5-4. to four. That's a hero goal. That's so, a hero goal. And it was like on his knees, too. That was sick. That is so sick, man. That is so sick. And you know what? I think, I don't know about you, but I feel like that's the best way to put the button on these games. Yeah, I agree. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find the show on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. As well, you can find us on social media at Third Line Plug. You can also find me on social media at Great White Gipster. And you can find Tim at Twitter, M901 Honey Badger. So, Tim, for next week's episode... We not only do we have a special guest on the show, but we got three games to talk about. We've got Tuesday, we're going to be at home to play the Colorado Avalanche. Thursday, we welcome the Montreal Canadiens. And Saturday, we welcome the NHL's top team right now, the Winnipeg Jets. That has to be the funniest story in the NHL. And man, does it make Pierre-Luc Dubois, who is... Not having a great season in L.A., by the way. Just look even worse. I'll tell you who that's going to make very happy, though. Adam. Adam. How often do you get that on your podcast? Happy Adam about the Jets. And kind of making fun of all oh, the Jets are doing great. Tay, how's your team? You know what's funny? On our podcast, we actually did think about doing like a monthly recap of our team. We did it one time. And we just haven't done it again. What do you guys even really do on your podcast? Uh, basically, like, we'll have a, like, we'll have a segment on, like, the the last third of the episode, but we do some something similar to the top of the hour. So we'll find, like, funny news stories, and I'll include them. Like, so here's an example for this upcoming Thursday, which is when Adam and I record. So Hulk Hogan saved a 17-year-old girl who was in a car accident. What? Yeah, apparently Hulk Hogan and one of his friends was driving and he saw this car that was flipped and he and his friend helped her. You know okay. What, you know what really made me laugh when I saw the picture of Hulk Hogan standing on the side of the highway? He was wearing an NWO shirt. Okay, that's pretty funny. Like, I just, I, I get it that Hulk Hogan probably just does wear Hulkamania shirts every day because it's Hulk Hogan. <laughs> But that was fun. No, it's pretty good. Until next week, I'm Mr. Gibson. And Spit Tip Jackson. Go. Woo!